Welcome to On Deck with Circuit Check. For over 40 years, Circuit Check has been a leading edge provider of custom engineered test solutions to the electronics industry, identifying and innovating new technologies and processes to address the ever changing test requirements. Join us as we share our expertise and thought leadership across a wide range of industries. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of On Deck with Circuit Check. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. So, everyone, on today's episode of the show, we're continuing some conversations around the various types of testing processes in a hardware testing ecosystem. And this time, we're explaining what it takes to make a successful functional test fixture. Last time we spoke on ICT fixtures, this time functional test fixtures. So functional test fixtures give PCBAs or uh, printed circuit boards a run for their money in uh, layman's terms. Basically applying full operational power to see if said board performs as designed and as expected. So without further ado, here to give us some thoughts on strategies for launching and achieving a successful FTF. We're with Russ Carter, product line manager for Circuit Check. Russ, great to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Fantastic. Great to have you on. I'm really looking forward to sourcing your thoughts here and continuing our testing ecosystem conversation. So as a quick refresher, you know, I threw out that basic definition of what a functional test fixture is, but could you expand on that or fill any gaps that I missed there? Uh, how would you define an FTF and which industries traditionally run FTFs? Uh, again, a functional fixture, I'm gonna back up just a bit. Sure. Uh, basically what we're doing is we're validating the performance of, it can be everything from a circuit board, it could be a final assembly of a product, uh, and we're, we're, we're validating the functionality, if you will, of, of that product. And, and so, Having said that, the the fixture uh, it can vary. It could be every anything from you know a cable that plugs into a product and it's hooked up to uh, uh, electronic test equipment, and they validate it through just plugging in a cable, to a uh, a functional fixture by uh, where we we go in and we actually insert connectors or using uh, like a side access unit to engage and do a through connector test uh, to validate the functionality. By doing that, I'm gonna kind of get a little bit off track here just a bit, but by doing that through connector, you're not only validating the functionality of that product, but you're also validating it through the, the interface that's going to be used when it's plugged into a system or, or whatever it may be. Mm. And then, you know, again, just to really ground why we're wanting to have this conversation, FTFs play into a larger testing ecosystem, and we broke down how ICTs fit into that ecosystem. Where do FTFs then play into that larger ecosystem of testing technologies? And maybe more specifically, where does it replace other technologies? And then where does it create synergies or exist in conjunction with other uh, testing technologies? Sure. And break those down mm -hmm. for us. Sure. Most of the time, um, again, when you look at uh, testing in general, okay, and I'm going to I'm going to do a very broad brush of this. Uh, but when you look at testing, usually there's a strategy that's employed, whether that be by the OEM, it may be a CM, e e either one of those. But it, anyway, the strategy could consist of, in in many time, consists of, you know, optical inspection, X-ray inspection. You already mentioned 
uh, in-circuit test and whatnot. A, a strategy is developed from a from an overall standpoint to try and validate, if you will, you know, it, as as much as they possibly can of the the and we'll talk circuit board for for right now. Uh, but they'll use that strategy. They'll develop that strategy based on you know what the circuit board is. So it varies just due to that. Um, and also, you have to take into account some of these strategies may not uh, they may not lend themselves to the product that's being tested. So functional test typically is done after those other types of tests have been completed. And again, what that does is that that weeds out you know a failure of of a of a system, let's say, uh, because of a, a component where it was tested at ICT. The component was identified that hey we've got a bad component uh it doesn't you know it goes into a rework loop or whatever the case may be so the functional test i won't say that it replaces you know any given component specifically uh it may replace one two it might you know it might be used again depending upon the product that's being tested it might be the test strategy that's used because it doesn't make sense to do uh, the other testing uh, because of board topology, complexity, that type of thing. And this is the last time I'll intersect ICTs from our last conversation. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm curious, you know, if you had to get even more granular with your analysis here, how does a, uh, a FTF specifically support or find support from an ICT fixture? How do those two methodologies and processes work together? And how does that end up supporting, uh, you know, a, a more holistic testing process? Yeah, well, and, and again, um, ICT test is usually, I'm going to say, upstream, sure. right? So in conjunction, again, you have to, to think about it from a strategy standpoint, that the methodology or the strategy that's employed, the whole idea is that, that you know, when the product is, is finalized, you plug it in, you flip the switch, and the thing operates as you intended or as it was designed, right? So the whole strategy is to try and eliminate that rework or, or whatever that may come about, as well as is the functional testing, you know, that's kind of the last, uh, uh, the end game, if you will, where, you know what, we're gonna functionally test. And I, I lean more towards explaining this from a, the, the concept of having a finished product that, you know what, you plug in power, you turn the switch on and you expect the screen to come up and, and you know provoke you or 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 ask you to hit a button or something like that well you know the functional fixture all of the previous testing supports that functional test um, as well as the functional test like I say is kind of the final end game that you know what all of the previous steps have have, have uh, uh, validated the product we now have put the the time and the effort in to place it into a a case or a plastics or whatever, you know, you don't want to tear that back apart because you've got a, a, a problem with a, a small component, right? So the functional test validates that all of that previous stuff was done. Um, we do have a good product and, and you know, we're at, we're at the, the, the final stage, if you will. Sure. All right. Thanks for all that introductory context. What I want to do now is intersect how FTFs fit in that ecosystem, but add the context of some of the larger movements that shape manufacturing today. So I'm curious, which market or 
even just broader industry dynamics. So that could be tech trends, et cetera. How are these things shaping budget considerations for manufacturers today? And then in turn, how is that impacting their approach to seeking a functional test fixture and quote in general? And again, it's, there, there's a lot of things that can come into play. You know, I talked about step, uh, test strategy earlier, along with test strategy and, 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 a, and a part of test strategy, whether we like it or not, is budgetary constraints, right? What do we have to work with? What does the, the, the outlook look like for this product? Uh, and from that, what can we support from a, a test standpoint? So a lot of that is, is kind of pulled in uh, to it. There's some other factors that also come into play with regard to functional test fixtures. I'm going to try and keep it somewhat high level, if you will, because you can go into a, 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 a quite a rabbit hole if we want to. But there's other things that come into play from the standpoint of, you know, your your test engineering department. If we're talking about like a, a an OEM uh, or even a CM, it's, it's a continual fight, if you will, from the standpoint of manpower, knowledge, I'm going to call it test base, but what I mean by that is is the knowledge base that's, uh, uh, that you have available to you from a test standpoint. Um, again, and that varies by product. It, you know, as, as you can imagine, testing a, a circuit board functionally uh, as opposed to testing, and I'm just going to throw out a, a control panel for like a, a, uh, a wash machine or something like that. You could have two totally different strategies employed um, your your outcome of that or what you're looking for uh, from a from a, a pass fail standpoint can be totally different so those are some of the the impacts that, that come into play and you know again market dynamics come into play your product itself you know I'm, I'm just gonna <laughs> go down the road of what's the next hot ticket right what's the next uh, item that's gonna that's gonna just be a, a killer product or whatever. Well, that comes into play from the standpoint of what kind of test can be afforded to be placed to check these parts to make sure that they're good. Um, you know that comes into play as well. What I want to do now is get even more granular. You might see a trend here. We start wide and we funnel it in. So we mentioned at the very beginning of the conversation that necessarily FTFs provide a lot of uh, adaptive value, right? So that they can shift their needs and they can shift their utility depending on the use case. So that could be automotive, it could be a consumer piece of uh, electronic hardware like a smart fridge or something, right? Testing the uh, onboard circuitry, top to bottom. So uh, could you expand a bit on how these dynamics that you've been breaking down for us differ among the leading industries that use a functional test fixture? What are some of those leading differences and why do they matter? Again, when, when you think about uh, you know functional test uh, from the standpoint, I'm gonna go back to, okay, we're going to functionally test a, a, a circuit board and what you what may end up uh, the the functional fixture may end up uh, you know probing the board might have side access uh, that go and, and and engage through connectors that are on the board and that type of thing. Now the output of that you know may be uh, you know through the test program 
it may be looking to just validate that, okay, all of the connections are made, all of our solder connections are good, we're talking to the component, other scenarios, same situation, we're going to download uh, some software onto the board uh, where they're, they're programming a, a, a chip or something of that nature. Now, if we transition to um, a, a finished product, so to speak, and, and I'm going to I'm going to use, uh, 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 just throw out medical devices, okay? Um, medical devices are, you know, it's, it's mission critical product, right? As a general rule of thumb. Last thing you want to, want to fail is a medical device, right? So uh, a scenario in, in the medical device field, it might be, and in, 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 we've run into to these cases where it's a, it's a final product, it's in its plastics, it's been run through all the previous in-circuit tests, uh, AOI, all of that type of stuff. And what's actually happening is it's, it's put into fixtures built and there's a screen on it. There's multiple buttons. In some scenarios, we're actually automating the, the button pushing and uh, there may be a camera that's looking at the screen. And the whole functional test is automated from the standpoint uh, because th th there's multiple things that can be happening. You're looking for the the button press and, and make sure you made the contact and, and whatnot, switch on and off. You may be looking for color intensity of the screen or a feature on the screen. That's where the camera comes into play. Some of these types of fixtures uh, can get really, really complex from the standpoint of, you know, just think about a screen, uh, you know, and, and uh, pushing a button on a screen, but still being able to view that screen after you push the button. Well, you, you can't have something in the way of that camera that's looking at it in order to complete the test. So again, it's 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 a pretty big envelope that you can get into. And, and there's a couple of, of different scenarios of, of what we see and what we run into. I also think it's important to note that even within one industry, right? So let's say we stick with the medical device uh, scenario that you laid out for us. Hypothetically, even within that industry, not all manufacturers are the same. There are OEMs, mm -hmm. there are also contract manufacturers, and a lot of different manufacturing industry business models that end up needing an FDF. So how do some of those dynamics also differ in that regard, when you're an OEM versus a contract manufacturer, really just along the lines of how these companies are structuring their business models? some of the differences that, that, that have been seen and whatnot is, you know, from an OEM perspective, obviously if I'm the OEM, uh, I want, I want to test my product to the fullest extent I possibly can. And, and so, um, I may develop that test program and also I may go out and contract, you know, someone like us to build the fixture for them. Uh, and I may provide that whole, uh, assembly, if you will, test fixture program, uh, that to a, to a contract manufacturer who's building my product and then have them, you know, perform, perform that test on it. Now, by doing that, what that does is that gives me as an OEM, I'm the control point, right? It's my fixture. It's my program that I developed and designed and I'm testing what I want to be tested, right? Now, take that and, and conversely look at that from a contract manufacturer standpoint. And let's just say that I'm, I'm, uh, an OEM, and you know what? I don't have a test engineering department. I'm I, I need to test my product, and I want it tested. 
uh, but I'm going to ask my contract manufacturer to provide that test. And, and I may ask them to provide just the test itself uh, and I'll provide a fixture, or I may ask them to provide the, the test, the uh, uh, software I'm talking about, as well as um, uh, 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 the fixture and whatever associated parts are. Uh, so it, it, again, it can vary quite a bit from the standpoint of who who are you dealing with, and you know, in, in, a, in a, the the industries themselves, there can be variation within those industries as well, because you have different parameters, the different requirements when you get into the different industries. You may have, I want to say, like uh, uh, CE certifications that you might need, that type of thing. So. It, 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 it's a, again, it's a pretty, pretty wide spectrum that we're talking about. Thank you so much for your context so far, Russ. What I want to do now is take what we've set up so far and turn this into some actionable strategies for manufacturers out there who might be listening to this and thinking, hey, well, I want to implement a functional test fixture. What should I be considering? And how should I go about doing this top to bottom, right? So let's start with the sort of a introspection part of this for a company, the self-analysis. How should customers lay out their own needs to best set themselves up for a functional test fixture process? Which metrics would you say really matter most about uh, your production line, your technologies, your business model, uh, and why? Can I go back to, again, first step is let's determine what are, what are we trying to test uh, let's develop a strategy to 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 figure out what are in that and by doing that by doing a strategy what ultimately what that will do is that will lead you to what's the important points of this product whether it be a circuit board a final assembly or whatever what are the important points that we want to have tested in it to be honest you know functional fixture it doesn't necessarily mean that it's always got to be electronic, right? It, 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 it could be, hey, you know what? I want to make sure that this lever functions properly. The lever actually uh, 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 actuates a switch, if you will, within the product. But I want to make sure that it doesn't break and that kind of thing. So again, a strategy, when it's broken down, you take a look at the product, you develop the, the strategy of, okay, what, what, what needs to be tested? How do we want to go about doing that? And then once you have that kind of under your belt, the next step, and this is a, a, a fairly important step, is to develop a, a statement of work. And what that does is that helps folks like myself. Uh, uh, it tells me what you're looking for, and it states, typically it will state exactly what your expectations are. And the reason why that's so important is because not only does that give us the roadmap of what needs to be done and what your expectations are, but it can be used on the tail end as a validation type product to validate, okay, here's what, what the, the request was in the statement of work, what they expected us to do, what the outcome of that was, and now we can take it on the tail end and let's walk through each one of these items and make sure that everything, we've met all of the criteria. Again, I can't state enough how important a good clear, concise statement of work is in this whole process. And obviously a lot of this is going to um, be tied to a manufacturing organization's immediate needs, right? And where yeah. their technologies are now, 
what they're producing at scale and what they're prioritizing. But as we've seen, there can be a lot of uh, supply chain disruptions. There can be a lot of unexpected changes to the industry that force these decisions to also be proactive as much as they are reactive. So what future proofing considerations would you say are essential or um, fundamental to this process of deciding a functional test fixture? Uh, are there certain metrics that are just kind of universally acknowledged as you should keep this sort of future proofing or proactivity in mind? Or is this another metric that also differs a lot by industry? Break that down for us. Yeah, future proofing, again, it, it can differ widely uh, depending upon you know what you're testing and, and, and what your, your methodology for testing is. So. And, and I'll just I'll touch on a couple of them. If let's say you're going to build a fixture, functional fixture to test a circuit board, okay, and you know you're going to put you know a, 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 a bunch of spring probes into the fixture and whatnot. One of the things to think about, and, and this is difficult for a lot of people, and understandably so, right? Because you got to put your crystal ball out there and and try and ascertain. All right, uh, uh, this product is expected to be uh, in use for five years, and at, at some point in time, it's probably going to be revised. We're going to want to we're going to want to test some other features in it, or we're going to want to add features. Something to think about in some some strategies that can be used is in a lot of cases uh, what we'll what we'll do is we'll take in like for through hole components. Um, you only need a certain amount of them. Let, let's just say that. You've got 100 through-hole components or, or through-hole uh, devices that, that you're going to put 25 probes on those 100 different locations. Well, what, what we'll do is we'll drill all 100 locations, but we'll only populate the 25. And what that does is down the road, that provides you the opportunity to add a probe to those other locations. Now, it, again, I say that that's that, that that's all of that sounds great and super and all that, but the other thing you got to keep in mind, you know, boards go through revisions daily and not always is the topology able to be kept from one revision to the next. So you, you can find yourself in a situation that, you know, we did all the right things, but we still, we, we can't utilize it or we have to do a major revision to the fixture because the topology or the through hole locations changed. So, you know, that's, that's one strategy. Another strategy that I've, I've, I've seen used, um, and again, it, it depends upon the product, the board, um, if this can be done or not, um, if you can design or lay out the board on a grid pattern. That helps from the standpoint of future proofing because you, you lay it out on a grid and you if you can maintain that in the design cycle of anything that has changed or whatever, we have to maintain this grid. What that does is that allows us the, the possibility, and I say possibility, to modify, upgrade, or revise the fixture because it was built to a grid pattern as opposed to components just randomly placed. It helps us with being able to add probe locations, move probe locations, that type of thing, uh, as long as the design standard of that grid can be maintained. So th there's a couple, there's another where, um, you know, this is done in, in with, with wireless fixtures, uh, pretty much everyone that, that's built is we, we design in what we call ECO locations. And the idea is, is they are locations that allow us 
to, if you want to add a probe to the middle of the probe field, now again, this is a wireless fixture. You can add a probe to the middle of the probe field and out on the perimeter around the part, we have additional um, uh, receptacles for probes that don't have probes in them, but it allows us to run a wire from that added probe in the center of the probe field out to those that ECO location which is now it, it makes a contact down to the, the the circuit board down below and that allows us to tie it into different resources of the test system it, again it's a little off track but that's another uh, another you know technology that can be employed for to to try and future proof you know uh, yourself or down the road all right, Russ, we're just about done with our conversation today. So thank you so far for all of your commentary and breaking down functional test fixture considerations for us. The last question I've got for you today is uh, really just to integrate circuit check a little more clearly into the conversation here. Obviously, circuit check is a major player in this space and supports OEMs, contract manufacturers, and just about any manufacturing operation in achieving a, a successful testing ecosystem. So uh, what would you define as the core metrics that customers should be looking for in a partner when specifically looking to integrate a functional test fixture? Is there anything that really stands out to you as important? And how do you see that reflected in circuit checks methods? It's a, it's a pretty big envelope because a lot of it depends upon what you have at your disposal, meaning the, the, the customer. Um, you know, you want to test your product and again, we have customers that have full-blown, <clears throat> excuse me, have full-blown test engineering departments, very well-versed with what they need, want, desire, that type of thing. You go from that and, and all they, they, they need is a fixture built, right? You go from that scenario to another customer that, that might be a, a fairly new startup, let's say. And you know what? They don't have a, a, a test engineering department they have a, 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 a great product. They know they need to have it tested. And what will happen is they'll need that resource, which we do this quite often, where, look, I have my product. This is what it is. I have no clue what I need to have tested or what, what kind of certifications I need or anything. Um, in that case, we'll work with that customer. We'll develop the test specifications for them. And we can take it from developing that, that test spec to providing them with a rack of equipment, the fixture and the whole nine yards. So the circuit check can handle anything in between, you know, a full blown system like I just uh, just described in fixture and, and test software and everything to, you know what, we just need your help to, to sort through. We've got a fixture, we built it and we need to update it, but you know what, we just don't have the manpower to do it. We can certainly help out with that also we're pretty diverse uh, when it comes to that. All right, on that note, I think that does it for our conversation today. So thank you so much, Russ, for your commentary and for breaking down the full scope of why FTFs are such a critical part of this larger testing ecosystem and what it takes to launch one at scale with efficiency and efficacy in mind. So thank you again to Russ Carter, product line manager for CircuitCheck. And Russ, if folks want to find out more about what CircuitCheck offers in this space or they want to get in touch, maybe learn a little bit more about CircuitCheck, how can they do so? Well, you can you can contact me. Uh, you can go to our website and we've got a, a plethora of, of business development uh, people that, that you can talk to. Um, like I said, you can contact me. 
Uh, I have no problem with that. My email is out there, phone phone number and whatnot, you know, and and more than happy to to walk through whatever we need to. And you know, to be quite honest, if 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 I can't answer the question, um, you know what, I can get us in touch with the right resources that can answer the question. So. You know what they say, teamwork makes the dream work. So we yep. love it. All right, Russ, thank you again. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you everyone for watching another episode of On Deck with Circuit Check, a Circuit Check podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to or watch previous episodes, make sure that you're heading to our website, circuitcheck.com. Again, circuitcheck.com and subscribing to On Deck with Circuit Check on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you next time.